0: be damned if the same politicians
1: who refuse to act then are going to try to come back today. The real content of any kind of revolutionary thrust lies in the in, in the principles and the goals that you're striving for. When the powerful use their position to bully others, we all lose. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. <laughs> Hello, her. correction. Hello, everybody, it's me, Ms. Cracker. I'm here with my co-pilot, Caitlin, and it's time for She's a Woman. It's a podcast for every human being who looks into the mirror and says, she's a woman. And for the people who love them. Every week, even when we're on tour, Caitlin, we talk to incredible women of all kinds from all walks of life and invite them to share their stories with you, our incredible listeners. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. Caitlin, we are <laughs> neck deep in this tour and we've got a lot of great experiences under our mm-hmm. belt. What have been some of your favorites? Cause I know what mine are.
2: I think for me, my favorite experience, if this counts is just having other women oh, <laughs> on nice. a tour bus. Yeah. I feel it just changes the whole tour. Mm. And I feel like this is an appropriate place to talk about that.
1: How well does that it change the tour?
2: For me, it's just solidarity of having somebody else on a bus that is female. Yeah. That it's just different. I, I don't know. Do you know. feel
1: like you are listened to more?
2: I feel like I'm listened to more. I feel like I'm taken more seriously. I feel like on a tour with a lot of men, well, gay men, I guess, because I, this to be real. Here, yeah. They only care about what they can sleep with. And mm. as me... <laughs> A woman, maybe on a drag tour with a bunch yeah. of gay men, I'm not taken as seriously or, you know, yeah. just not seen as important because I'm
1: not a cute twink or whatever right. you know yeah. Does that make sense totally makes sense absolutely and we are on a lot of those tours a lot of the time and this is a special treat for everyone listening we kind of discussed this a little bit last week but yeah there's a crew of six people besides me and four out of six of those people are women yeah and it makes for a really special environment and something that i think really is in line with our values also a lot of people that work on this tour don't just come from the drag world, they come from the music and entertainment world, which I think yeah, also makes a difference. Yeah, really one of, does. Yeah, that's one of my favorite parts about this tour, is that everyone has a decade of experience. Yeah. Or more. Forget drag touring. They were doing this long before drag touring know, was even a thing. I
2: know. They don't care about drag queens. <laughs> yeah.
1: They're like, okay, they care that they're touring an artist, but they don't care um, what kind of artist it is. So yeah. yeah. Um, It's been a really magical experience, I think, for those reasons. But also for me, just doing shows has been spectacular Yeah, just being able to tour again is Mm -hmm. really
2: nice. And being able to be like, oh, yeah, I do like going to new cities and walking around.
1: Yeah and vintage shopping which is yeah that's
2: another one of our good experiences we've been making out like a bandit yeah except paying for it except paying for it yeah
1: we're like uh you can't
2: beat the vintage stores and antique stores in the midwest and you just can't
1: no they're so incredible they're huge we got we got caitlin a little pink cadillac
2: we did and a barbie
1: and i got myself a little train set for god knows what reason but it's adorable
2: and A cheese and mouse salt and pepper shaker?
1: Yeah, I got myself a salt and pepper shaker set where the pepper shaker is a mouse. And the salt shaker is a cheese. <laughs> this is people don't understand. If we were really organized, I'd be like, go to our website to see what this means. Uh, I know, yeah, I know. But-
2: if you download our app, you can yeah. watch the photos show up in real time. Yeah, but uh, it's, that's no. not who we are. That's yeah. not.
1: We are not audio check productions. <laughs> no. So anyway.
2: Um, what's another good experience? Our Valentine's presents?
1: Yeah. We all got each other presents for Valentine's Day
2: really fun Cracker was- and I felt like parents on uh, Christmas Eve getting our presents together giggling you know
1: yeah we stayed up <laughs> late at night watching virgin suicides <laughs> and taking our little Target gifts and putting them in pink <laughs> bags for everybody. That was really wonderful. And Gypsy, who was on the podcast last week, she also got gifts for everyone yeah. in little bags. And
2: decorated the bus with mm-hmm. little like Valentine's stickies, which was really special. Yeah,
1: it's been amazing. Yeah. And the shows have been cool. Like. Being a Pacific Northwest girl, I am biased, but I thought that the Portland and Seattle shows were so fun with the audience just screaming and having a good time and Salt Lake was wonderful. I felt like I really let loose and wandered off script and then Chicago was absolutely unhinged. (laughs) But the show ended up like in the second act especially being really, really special. So I don't know, I have loved this whole thing. And if you're listening, you can join in on this ever evolving experience because as you're listening right now, there are still tickets available in Boston, DC, Birmingham, New Orleans, Dallas, Houston, Austin, and Cleveland. So just go to shesawomantour.com, get your tickets right there, and you can join us. And I ha- I can say honestly, every single night is different.
2: Yeah, we're reaching that uh, halfway point in the tour where everyone on the whole crew gets sort of uh, loopy. (laughs) Loopy
1: is the exact word. Anyway, Caitlin, I want to dive right into our weekly interview, which is the meat and not the potatoes of the occasion. (laughs) But first, I have a little treat for you. Every week we do a segment called Here's the Good News, where we share positive stories torn from the headlines. The idea is that they'll bring you, our listeners, a little hope during these difficult times. And this week, our news is all about our furry family members.
2: Aww.
1: Yes. Now, we've been slogging through this podcast for over a year, and if you're an avid listener, there's no way you've missed out on the fact that Caitlin is a fan of dogs. Yep. She loves them.
2: And all animals. And all
1: animals. Yes, you do. You like raccoons cats Uh-huh. but I think that dogs, dogs are, do
2: yeah they, yeah they have a special place in my heart
1: so it's no surprise that today we're bringing you another story about these four-footed friends a story about <laughs> dogs in Spain to be exact and Caitlin sourced this very important article yes yes okay so here's the good news as of this year Spain's legal system is considering a pet's welfare a dog's welfare when couples divorce or break up, just as we consider a child's welfare in that situation. Let me explain. Instead of treating a dog as a piece of property that troubled couples can battle over, courts will decide which owner will take better care of the dog, which home will give a healthier, happier life to the dog. So they're thinking about dogs the way they think about family members or children now, not just like a desk or something that the couple can argue over. But they're gonna be like, okay, what's gonna make the dog healthiest and happiest, and where where would he want to be or she?
2: It's about time.
1: Yeah, I think it's really incredible that that hasn't been the case all along.
2: I know. I mean, I feel like anyone that's around our age has probably watched a couple either get divorced or mm-hmm. just get a dog together and then break up. Yep. And then one side never sees the dog or yeah. the cat or what ever again. Yeah. I feel like I've witnessed a lot of stories. And I've also seen people being like, oh, now that we're broken up, I don't care about the dog anymore. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, or people that are like, I don't care about the dog, but I'm not letting him have it, you know? Right,
2: right. So so I just think, I don't know, it's good that there's some sort of law in place in Spain. I feel like it should be they really are family members. Yeah.
1: According to Reuters, the decision follows similar moves in France and Portugal, yeah. and obliges judges to consider pets as sentient beings, a trend that was already underway before the law was passed. In October, a Madrid judge gave joint custody of a dog to an unmarried couple who sought a court ruling on whom the pet should stay with after they separated. The dog spends a month with each of them, and they are both legally responsible.
2: I think that's such a good idea. That way the dog gets to see both of his owners. They just love their owners. They don't know what's going on, you know? (laughs) They don't understand. Yeah, they don't understand. A breakup? (laughs) (laughs)
1: anyway i love this story because it follows a number of stories we have shared about animal rights and about how animals are being viewed more and more as sentient feeling creatures Mm -hmm. to nerd out a little bit this reminds me of an essay i read by martha nussbaum about human rights where she essentially said hey if we really want a happy world we'll consider the rights of all things animals trees heritage sites because the more respect we give to the things around us, the better our situation will be.
2: And I feel like you really connect to the part where she's also was thinking about the trees.
1: She's thinking about the trees. Yeah, yeah. Because you're thinking about dogs and thinking about trees. Exactly. So, and my little Polaroids. <laughs> Thank you for that good news story, Caitlin. It makes me really happy. Anyway, enough of that. Let's take a little cuteness break. Okay, we're back. Now, before we continue, let me say this. If you enjoy your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We love reviews. In fact, we love them so much, we're going to read some of our favorite reviews at the end of the show. So submit them, and we will read them. It'll be a great time. It'll be like a free cameo where we're talking back at you, you know?
2: I know. I hope we have a new one today. We might not. Oh, we definitely do. I feel like we have scads of them. Okay. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: But... Right now, it's time for us to do our interview. So last week at the end of our interview with our tour manager, Gypsy, we had a stroke of genius, Caitlin. Yes. We decided to do a series where we interviewed all the incredible women on our touring team. And today I'm pleased to bring you part two in this new series that we've created (laughs) because we're going to be talking to Audrey Finney, our marketing guru. To say that she is just a marketer would be an understatement. She has spent the majority of her life traveling the world, listening to music, and telling people why they should too. She's a branding brainiac with a knack for artistic organization and controlled chaos, as she puts it. She has organized countless tours and events. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, Audrey. Thank you for joining me in my luxury hotel room in oh, Columbus, Ohio.
2: It
0: is incredible. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
1: I'm glad you are because you are stuck with us now. Here we are. So Captive just... audience. Yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely. She has no choice. She's on payroll. Just <laughs> set the scene and tell me, how are you? What are you up to today? Like, what's life like right now?
0: Well, um you know it's pretty peachy we are in ohio
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so
0: it's glamorous
1: yeah
2: of
0: course uh i'm feeling really nice we have a day off i have some time to organize some chaos yeah so i'm feeling pretty good yeah
1: feeling pretty good and we'll talk about what your chaos organizing looks like a little bit later we're (laughs) going to talk about what a day in the life of audrey is but for context also i feel like we should set the scene Audrey has feathers in her hair and mismatched (laughs) earrings and she's wearing a beautiful robe. And uh, she looks like that aunt that just came back from Thailand and has gifts for everyone, (laughs) as as she put it.
0: Or I'm living on a tour bus and I couldn't find any of my things. I just wore like 10 different things.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All of the necklaces, all of the earrings and rings. Caitlin and I have been talking. We're like, we really want to have a good ring game like Audrey does. uh, The ring
0: game is important. I always try to find. These have come from like different places all over. I just pick one up. And I'm like, does it match my aesthetic? Okay, we'll take it. I'll Off find it a finger yeah. for it. I'll find a toe for it. We're here.
1: That's perfect. <laughs> okay, we're, we're learning, Caitlin, bit by bit from the experienced roadies. So I, with that in mind, I'm wondering, you're like me, a lot of your work has to do with touring and moving around. And I was wondering what was it like going through the pandemic when touring wasn't possible at all. Did you go crazy?
0: Um, almost. Yeah. <laughs> I so it actually happened that that March I broke my ankle. So
1: Wait, how did you break your ankle?
0: <laughs> I I fell off my Clydesdale. <laughs> oh my god. It was a it was a don't mix wine and horseback riding incident.
1: <laughs> I don't understand how those two could not go well together.
0: Um I was hanging out with my mom, which is always a whole thing, and um yeah, I I got a little excited and didn't make it all the way onto my horse and accidentally kicked her in the behind and she said, "Okay, let's go." So, what would normally be a not too bad of a fall was like a six and a half foot fall from a yeah. Clydesdale, so the Budweiser horse broke my ankle.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I've ridden horses before, but I've never ridden a Clydesdale. They're massive. Um,
0: she's huge. She's yeah. a big girl, but she's very. Sweet. What's her name? Um, Bronte.
1: Bronte Charlotte
0: Soros. Oh, Bronte Soros. Okay. Bronte. Yes. Yeah. So many references. We love a good. You know, yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. right, exactly.
0: (laughs) Um, So yes, I had just broken my ankle when they announced that, and I was already stressed about going on tour with a not great ankle. Yeah. And they had announced that uh, all of our tours, which I think was one of yours, Mm -hmm. (laughs) had been rescheduled Yeah. um, with no, not sure where it's going to go. So I was sitting on the couch with a broken ankle and my career had seemingly come to a screaming halt and I was in a very weird place Um, but after a few weeks of kind of having an existential crisis I picked up a lot of um, like online vintage shopping and kind of clothing resale and restoration. So I started purchasing a lot of, um, fun vintage clothes and jewelry and started learning how to repair them and clean them and resell them on the internet. Yeah. So that was one thing I did to kind of help myself do something with my hands because I need a task at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of a, a good thing that came out of it. Um, but that's really how I kept busy, uh, yeah. but all I can say other than that is I'm very happy to be back on, on the road.
1: Yeah, I've noticed that you pick things up from vintage shops and sew and repair them and bring them into your wardrobe, which is very eclectic. Uh, yes. How do you know when you see an item that's gonna be yours? Because that's another thing we were talking about. I'll go into a vintage shop, look at all the clothes and be like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, they all look ugly to me, but then I think there are people that can pick out a piece that's ugly and then make it work as part of a look like what do you how do you know when you have a find
0: well I I just kind of have always been a fixer (laughs) with people and clothes I guess oh
1: yay (laughs) what a fun job
0: (laughs) love it um so I you know for a long time I didn't I didn't buy fun, kind of what is normally considered eclectic or different clothing. I would just go to thrift stores and try to find like, the best tag. But it wasn't always cool or I didn't always like it. It wasn't really kind of a timeless fun item that spoke to me. I just thought that maybe I could resell this for a good amount of money. Um, and I don't know when the shift happened, maybe it was just years of working in entertainment and having to make things work Mm. just in general. Um, but I was like, you know what, I, I'm just going to dress how I feel on the inside because I spent the longest time in high school trying to fit in and trying to kind of like conform. But then I found, I think it was like a fun silk robe or something and I was like, I'm gonna start wearing lingerie in public. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: um and I got a really good response and we all love when people are like, oh my God, I love that. Where did yeah. you get it? And I'm like, ooh, a goodwill in Ohio. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So I just kind of started listening to my fun, eclectic, drunk aunt
1: on okay. the inside on the inside yeah me <laughs> her out yes you know uh we talked to the owner of butch wax vintage and she has the most amazing philosophy around clothes it's very similar to yours it's all about finding what expresses you and not what makes other people happy and i think that a lot of times when i hear people talking about clothes they're like you have to check for what's in right now or you have to check what is gonna impress people or th- look for that label, right? And then she turns it upside down she's like, no, it should come from who you are and you match it to that, which is clearly something you're good at, uh, so. But yes.
0: the, the less like normal people that hit on me in public, the better. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> I you're just like, wanna set their expectations. Like, right. listen, mm, this is weird, so get yeah. with it. <laughs> you're like,
1: weirdos, here I am. <laughs> I'm flying my weirdo flag. So, having said all of that, I want to take a moment to do my favorite part of the interview, which is where I press rewind. Caitlin's back there, like, press rewind, and kind of talk about your early years because I understand that you were raised by two whimsical artists. Oh, yes. As you put it. And I want to know what your early years were like with them and how they kind of shaped you.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. My mom will love this. She'll love that I'm talking about her. Yes. Um, Jewish mothers love to be talked Uh, about. Yeah. yeah, So I am a Jew, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but, um, first and foremost, I was raised by some like very crunchy artist types. Uh, but my mom did not always come from that background. My, My grandparents were, we don't hug. We're kind of like, very straight-laced and yeah. always very disappointed and, yeah. you know, mm, that whole thing. So when, of course, my my mom was much younger when she met my dad. And my dad had already been married and divorced and had moved from England to Virginia Beach to become a professional surfer.
1: Okay. Wow. <laughs> he
0: decided that was a thing, that he was going to get, in, like... I think that at the time they were drafting people from Europe for Vietnam and they were offering citizenship. So I think somehow he was like, this will be worth it.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So after many long, crazy, wild stories, he ended up in Virginia beach, um, became a surfer. I think was like growing weed and being a hippie, um, met my mom at a bar and stole her from his friend. And I think that is how she was like, Oh my gosh, So, it already started kind of wild and crazy.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: But he was an artist and a very free spirit. And I think that he definitely pushed my mom to feel that way about herself and kind of come out of the shell she'd put herself in growing up in a family that was a bit, like, restrictive. So they bought a farm on the eastern shore of virginia which is like a tiny peninsula that sticks off of maryland yeah and uh they got horses and chickens and built a shop like a studio situation Mm -hmm. my dad is a carver and antique restoration artist and my mom is a painter so it kind of works out they've taught each other a lot. And so they work together every day, which is absolutely wild to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that they can do that and not kill each other. Right, (laughs) yeah. It was always like some art project or some, oh, let's build it. Let's do it ourselves. Let's figure it out. I don't know, Audrey, look it up, figure it out. And so I was just like, okay. I'm just going to learn and I'm just going to do what I see every day. So both my sister and I kind of came out very artistically inclined and she is an incredible artist. She's a much better like drawer and painter than I am, Mm. but I suppose I kind of went off on the other realm of things and, uh, did music and entertainment. So they definitely had a direct effect on where both my sister and I are now artistically in our careers. Um, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I feel super blessed that I had like a support system like that that encouraged me to be in theater and be in public speaking and you know do music and my dad wasn't thrilled about it but tore with bands and things like that yeah, so yeah. um grow yeah growing up like that was was super helpful in you know shaping who i am and what i do um i know a lot of people later in life are like you know what i can do whatever i want and i'm like yes right. you can Yeah. and they're like well my dad i'm like no it's yeah. okay you're an adult human now so i'm just very lucky to have that so
1: they you said that they allowed you to wear whatever hat you wanted to oh yeah literally and figuratively yeah and you are a hat lady
0: (laughs) I am a hat lady still
1: so we see that that's the environment that I grew up in too with my mother because she is a painter and she lives in her art studio and she always encouraged my sister and I to figure out how to make the things that we liked so if we went to a museum and we saw something where we went to a store and saw an item of clothing that we liked, she'd be like, let's figure out how to make it at home. And she kind of told us that anything we wanted to do, we could do it. So I think that, that having that, if you have that and you're listening to this, you're so lucky. If you don't, try to make it for yourself. Tell yourself yes. that you can you can do whatever you want and that you can make whatever you want because it's very freeing and you never know what Absolutely. skill you have like locked inside yourself. <laughs> so... Um, when did you discover that you were in love with music? And how did that come about?
0: Mm. Um, so I did... We moved... We were living in Virginia Beach, and we moved to this smaller community very, very early in my life. Mm. So when I was growing up in an extremely rural place, the only <laughs> the only like thing to do was a McDonald's. And um, we would go to shows, local shows that we created ourselves Mm -hmm. like in high school and it came during the emo era yeah (laughs) i was an emo gal i had the hair and like the
1: Oh, no. you got the hair, the, the bang. The
0: duck butt haircut,
1: right? Yeah. When you
0: like cut it all off in the back and like floof it up with hairspray. Yes. Um, oh my
1: God. I forgot
0: about that yeah, I have photos. I don't want people to go digging for them. Yeah. I think I've gotten them all off the internet. I don't yeah. know. You guys did a pretty good forgot
1: job digging. I the but... duck
2: butt haircut. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I had the duck butt haircut. Um, and we would go to these local shows and we would have them in garages or like basements or wherever Mm -hmm. and i would just meet all these people that i didn't realize felt the same way that i did so initially it was very much about the music but then i started meeting these people and felt finally a sense of community because i was a total nerd in middle school and high school and everyone thought i was a weirdo because i did theater and yeah Just all of that. So I was struggling heavily with that, heavily with my identity. I was wearing like Hot Topic black clothes and things like that, which I still do, you know, but make it fashion. Right. (laughs) So that was that was kind of how it happened. And then as I started to learn more about different genres i felt appreciation for different types of music and my mom was like a bob dylan girl and a led zeppelin girl and you know stuff like that my dad was like whatever you guys do whatever you want i'll listen to whatever you play yeah 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 but my mom definitely had uh, she would play eric clapton and all these musicians that otherwise a 10, 11, 12-year-old wouldn't necessarily be like, I want to buy this CD.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) So I I was into that, but then I also had my emo friends and my hardcore music and stuff like that, but I felt like that kind of started to early shape the horizon that I had on music. Yeah. And then secondly, I just like thought
1: the people were so
0: cool. (laughs) I just wanted to be a rock star so bad.
1: Yeah. And wait, so how did that evolve into touring oh well
0: that was mainly was the people you know i wanted to see what i could do to get to where they are because of course i was already a drama queen i was on the stage i was doing theater i was doing public speaking yeah and so i go to these shows and eventually we would be able in a community to like book touring bands but it was you know small regional and i would just meet them and i would bug them like to no end and this was kind of i mean we had myspace but it was definitely way before we were able to so immediately reach out to right. the people we thought were famous and yeah. and, and cool and interesting and we want to talk to so i would hit them up on myspace or i would just go to the show and be like who's who's your manager like who's your boss though like yeah. who's the boss because yeah. i want to talk to them and i need to know like how to do this i want to yeah. do and so eventually i just bugged people enough and they were like fine do my merch for me i guess and I was right. like, oh my gosh yes yeah. okay so i did a lot of free merch gigs and i started working for a music video producer mm-hmm. and He did a lot of really horror based, like special effects, because I think that was his first love. So when he got into music, he started doing heavy metal bands. So we were doing these goth music videos with like blood splattered everywhere. (laughs) And he was like, Audrey, go get the fake blood. And I was like, yes, anything to just like be in this music industry. And so that was just like, I I would do all these odd eclectic jobs with like local venues and local music video producers and local bands and try to get merch gigs. So yeah. I just kind of worked my way up and I networked and I I just annoyed people until they gave me jobs. Yeah,
1: and then you uh, studied mass communication and marketing yes. at Old Dominion University. Oh my gosh! So.
0: I always <sighs> sorry. Alma mater, ODU, but I have to say that the kind of the footwork I did in life with music was way more valuable in the. Wait end. a
1: second, that's so funny because my next question was, "Do you feel like you learned more out there oh, yeah. in the world than you did?"
0: I was like, "Sorry, so I funny? have nothing to say about college." Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I was like, intuitively, <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a good thing because we were we were kind of talking about this with Gypsy, where it's like a lot of people should go to college and a lot of people aren't ready and that's okay right and so you should do what you want to do not feel pressured from the outside just like with your fashion choices yes education choices are the same thing if you feel like you're ready for college and it's going to do something great for you do it but if you feel like now is not the right moment or it's not going to do something for you you can hold off and like wait to the right time
0: yeah and I think that the reason, I mean, I just didn't at the time know what I wanted. So in the early
2: 2000s, (laughs) it
0: was still very prevalent that that was the life path
2: for for a lot of people.
0: So I graduated in 2008 and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to school. Initially, I wanted to do theater. I went to school. I got a scholarship. So, of course, my parents were like, obviously Mm. go to the place where we don't have to pay a bunch of money for you to go Mm -hmm. and once i was there i mean not that the school that i mean that's a great school but it's not an art school it's not a theater school right so i ended up kind of making my own study and like path um which i almost always do right (laughs) it really rubs people the wrong way sometimes (laughs) um but they, I, I eventually was like, listen, this is what I want to do. And my counselor was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's just not really like a prevalent thing where I'm from. So yeah. really doing more footwork in the industry and kind of making stuff up as I go along in the end turned out to be more valuable than what I learned in school. Yeah. However... On the other side of the coin, I will say that I have worked some corporate jobs with like theaters that are owned by corporations, mm-hmm. um, or like, for instance, I ran a venue that was attached to a restaurant that was a a local chain. They had like yeah. a couple locations, so they kind of ran it more corporate. So I like having that on my resume that I did go to college. Mm-hmm. I think appeals to some of the people that are like-minded that think that college is important Mm. um however what got me the job ultimately was having the experience and they were like wow this is really different and um what tell me about that like tell Mm. me about being on tour like what is that like and i'm like honestly it's more stressful than a nine to five and i'm dealing with 15 things all at once and that's what makes me a great candidate and they're like okay so uh, there is two sides to the coin yeah except i do not support like going into debt for like years and years for for school when there are a ton of opportunities Mm. for you to kind of get the footwork locally before you commit to something that will put you into debt
1: do you feel like it was harder breaking into the industry and the field you wanted to do work in because you're a woman?
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay, uh, absolutely. Do you have feelings. Yes. So, I thankfully will say that either <laughs> I did not experience some of the more jarring and terrible things that mm. some of my girlfriends have or uh my trauma brain has blocked them out but
1: <laughs> yay trauma brain <laughs>
0: yeah however i think that we all that came up i'll call it the warped tour era because right. that is kind of when the breakthrough came that women i mean of course there were women in every decade that have worked in the industry some like extremely incredible tour managers and extremely incredible agents that were women. But I think there was a mass influx of women because of the Warped Tour and the emo era Yeah. Um, because that music did appeal to a lot of us at that age and it made it more reachable with social media. Yeah. So I think it was kind of like a mix of a lot of things that caused us to be like, oh, my God, I could do this. I know this guy who's in a band that's doing really well right now. I'll just hit him up or whatever. And there were girls in every state that felt that way. So, like I remember the Euros on Warp tour that there were no girls on it, and then the next summer it was just like so many merch girls. Yeah, ladies. It was just. I mean, it was great and I loved it, but I just saw so much change. And the there was like a lot of really uncomfortable stuff happening. But at the time, we weren't, society or, like, the industry in general was not paying attention to that. So we were made to feel like, oh, well, you know, boys will be boys and stuff like that. So while there was, like, a lot of terrible things happening, I wouldn't say that it was on the forefront of that so yeah. people kept coming and girls kept coming into the industry and then fast forward to now it is harder i think for women because the people that were in that industry that saw all that happened it caused a lot of problems for a lot of labels and a lot of management and a mm-hmm. lot of you know and so unfortunately they're like well but we're gonna no more up. ladies. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. ease up on having women because yeah. it just causes problems. And now, thankfully,
1: the, those women were causing trouble yeah. by being there. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's their fault. Oh yeah.
0: my god, their shoulder was out. <laughs> I, oh my god. Uh, I just, you know, they couldn't help themselves. Okay. Right. So there was a lot of that, and I think in when in like being the age I am now and looking back, being like, oh my god, yeah, that was so problematic. And I just can't believe that was happening. Yeah. Um, but I will say I learned a lot from it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of us did. And, you know, I, m- my heart breaks that a lot of girls who had a ton of potential left the music industry because they felt uncomfortable or wronged. Yeah. Um, but now with the new movement of, you know, on like... Social media can obviously be a terrible, awful thing, but it can also do a lot of great things, like bring light to things that are happening. So while it was really tough and the fact that it gave me like super strong skin and now I get through days much easier um, in the industry, I think that it's a good sign that slowly we are paying more attention to things like that. Um, But it was definitely hindering. (laughs) But it was definitely... Um, ultimately made me stronger.
1: Right. And just to clarify for everyone, we do laugh now at some things like this, but we're laughing because it's so absurd and it's so horrible. I know, oh my gosh. Like, to put women in that position and then blame them for the position that they're in is really, it's a really dark thing. And I'm glad that we're seeing an environment now, at least on, on this tour, where you have a lot of women working and they're heard and respected. And I hope that that just spreads out and that this moment where you're saying, light is being shed on the things that we need to see. I think that's going to, or I hope that's going to help change that situation. I really do. And you mentioned that you're like nose to the grindstone all the time. and i see you tippy tapping away <laughs> yeah. around the clock and just for our listeners especially our y- young listeners what is a day in the life like for you on this particular tour i know you wear different hats for oh, every yes. tour but what what is it what is it that you're doing over there cuz we we want to know
0: okay so yeah there so there's a lot of work that actually goes into organizing a tour ahead of time yeah which Didn't always get done when I was doing band stuff. So when I was a younger tour manager on the road, I didn't realize um, until I met older tour managers that knew what was going on that eventually like I learned all the turning wheels, which made me a better tour manager now. Yeah. So basically about a month before we lay out everything, we lay out all of the dates and um, plan out just to ensure that to the best of our ability, nothing is going to surprise us. Yeah. The less surprises, the better. Yeah. But of course, Murphy's Law always happens. And if something can go wrong, it absolutely will. So my job is to basically ensure that there are the least amount of moments that that could happen. Yeah. So once we get on the road, um, of course, start, things start to change. Things change all the time. Hotel rates change all the time. Availability of Ubers or buses or any kind of travel change, especially in a post-pandemic world. So <clears throat> managing a tour is kind of a 24-hour job
2: Yeah, um,
0: just because... Once I put data into our planning app, whatever it is we're using at the time, obviously right now we're using Master Tour. We love you, which is great.
1: Master Tour, we love it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you,
0: Master Tour. <laughs>
1: Master Tour is basically just for you that are listening. It's an app that I can open on my phone and know when we're arriving, where, how long it's going to take us, are we going to have food <laughs> when <laughs> we get into the venue, when we leave the venue, all of that. It's like and that's all on your end you put it in so that i can see.
0: Yes. It. Yeah. So that that has not always been a thing. So yeah. there, you see i still print out paper day sheets which is basically our itinerary every day. Yeah. And when we're touring with people when there's 20 to 25 people on a tour that becomes very helpful that everyone can pull it up on their phone right. and see what's happening. But since it is a live living breathing thing I have to make sure that every day we have the correct information in there. So we as a team are kind of going back and forth, um, touching with Jeremy, who's covering a lot of the production and the tech, and touching with Gypsy, who handles a lot of the logistics, a lot of the parking, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're traveling with a bus. And then me, and I go in and I'm like, okay, well, let me double check everybody's brain oh, this person from this venue emailed me but didn't copy the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure the rest of the team gets all that information. So it's constantly always monitoring that and then plus planning for everything we have coming up as well because when things start bumping up right after one another yeah. you're like oh i can finally rest but no i can not because i right. still have more which is a good sign and yeah. you know again i'll take it from sitting on the couch with a broken ankle with no tours yeah. to having too much to do yeah. um so that's basically staying organized overseeing and just always like monitoring changes so i am the barrier between the talent and the problem. And that makes sure that, you know, we take care of it as a team before it even trickles down because once it starts to trickle down, then chaos ensues. (laughs) Right.
1: And yeah, for our listeners, just to kind of put this in your mind a little bit, if that job is not being done, if Audrey's job is not being done, it stands in the way of us being able to use the bathroom because (laughs) there's no water on the bus or, we don't get food we're hungry or the bus driver is exhausted because he's been driving for like 40 hours without a break mm-hmm. or like those are very real things it's not just about like making sure that all my plates are pink in my dressing room or doing and the I mean? red
0: bulls on the stage yeah the red bulls on the stage
1: <laughs> which is important but it's like it's like basic stuff like eating and sleeping and pooping and all of that stuff you we couldn't do it without someone there to make sure that that happens i I will
0: always facilitate a poop
1: yeah (laughs) and (laughs) believe me they have been facilitated well on this tour i i think it's so amazing because your brain works in a way that mine does not i am a total space cadet and so it is amazing to have someone on the other side making sure that Um, I'm brought back down to earth at least once a day to do a show. Of course. What I want to know is after this tour what's next for you and I don't just mean what's the next tour I mean what's something that you want to do in your life like another step that you want to take
0: oh my gosh well I have daily existential crises so let's just start with that Okay,
1: because Jewish yeah (laughs) Yeah,
0: anxiety it just it comes with the territory and we love it yeah it's who we are (laughs) so I was thinking my latest this morning was maybe like eccentric art teacher Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know long term um, I I think that it's it's become my vision has definitely changed and always molded with each year that I'm alive right. <laughs> and that I interact with the world. And I do love touring and the new genre that I am in, of course, drag and honestly I've met so many like beautiful burlesque dancers and like artists that I have never, interacted with before, which I think opens up even a new path. I mean, I thought I was just going to be in bands and rock and roll forever, which I would probably look like Steven Tyler at this point by now (laughs) if I had. But (laughs) We're still keeping the wardrobe, but we're working Mm -hmm. on the face, okay? Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. So,
0: you know, and then next thing I knew, like we're doing drag. I got glitter. I got feathers around me at all times and yeah. I love it. Yeah. I have hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. I can like, I can breathe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm complimented every day. It's, it's a beautiful world. Yeah. Um, so that even opens up a whole new world for me. Yeah. So if I'm not touring, then I could, obviously my first love was marketing and yeah. I love selling people things. Um, you know what I mean? I, oh. I like, if I love it, I want to tell people about it. And that's basically how that started. So I'm super grateful for coming into this world because so many outlets aren't being used. And I now am like becoming hyper focused on making sure that people know how much this is incredible and and now i'm like oh my gosh we need to market this like let's make shirts let's make pens let's Mm -hmm. do all these projects and things Mm -hmm. like that so you know i started this year touring tour Mm -hmm. brain tour focused which of course i still love but now there's all these other fun things that could possibly develop out of doing this new thing yeah um so ultimately not necessarily a goal for a career but more so to continue to learn and be able to create and make people excited about things that are not only things that i love but also i'd like to think incredibly good for the world and incredibly inclusive for the world and opening up people's minds that may be living in a home with parents that don't necessarily support their yeah like their loves and their passions And making that available because they can come and chat with you and take a photo with you and be like, oh my God, this person is doing what I want to do. Yeah. And I talk to Dre about this all the time, our amazing merch girl, by the way. Yes. (laughs) And she's like, I love to talk to people and tell them that. And you can too, you right. know, yeah. because like who are, we're not special. We just were weirdos that wanted to do something. Yeah. So honestly, I mean, ultimately when I'm like 65, I want to be an eccentric art teacher or yeah. something, but until then I'm open to interpretation. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love that. And that's another important thing for people to hear that who you are and what you're yeah. doing is constantly evolving you never have to make a final decision because if you're living life right, you should be influenced by yes. the things that are passing your way. And uh, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Just like you pick up rings that make sense to you, you're <laughs> going to pick up influences that make sense for you along the way. So thank you so much for joining us today. and we mentioned Dre during this interview and we're gonna try to wrangle her and yes. see if we can talk to her. Because these two ladies, Audrey and Dre, are just salt and pepper and yin and yang. And We're starting a band. Yeah, they're, they're gonna be TikTok sensations. Uh, um, and at, just 32. Met, at 32. At 32, they just met on this tour, right?
0: Yes, well, I've known her husband for a long time, yeah. a band boy from yeah. the past. But I, so I feel like because of social media, we've just known each other for a long time. But right. no, yeah, we've just met and worked together on this tour. So yeah, I'm not crying. I'm fixing my makeup for sure those of you can't see. I'm like it's stop just stop so beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, she's she's my gal She's my homie.
1: Yep. So thank you, thank you so much, Audrey. We can't wait to do uh, another three weeks with you, and this has been an incredible interview. Okay, Cradalina, Gretham. that was our interview for today. Did you enjoy that? That was a really good one. It was a really good one. I think it was very informative, especially because you always tell me there's always people asking you how do you get to tour with famous people? Yeah.
2: yeah. And, and I feel like her perspective of just like, well, I just went to the shows because I was a fan and then eventually I just bothered enough people, but it takes years and years. I mean, Audrey's been doing this for 10 plus years and yeah. now she's on tour with drag queens, but I feel like a lot of people ask with the assumption of like, oh, just... Can I do it tomorrow? Can I <laughs> right, see, right. I'll
1: meet you tomorrow and we'll go Can on I,
2: tour. Yeah. Should I start my life plan towards this direction now? I'm like, this doesn't really work that way. That way, exactly. You know, it's a winding path because it's not in like exactly a traditional career.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's definitely what Audrey found, and it was so interesting hearing how her dream sort of developed as she met new people and new situations. Yeah. Sometimes when you have a very specific idea in mind for what you want out of life, you're not going to get it. But if you pay attention to the signs along the way, you'll find something that really does work for you.
2: Yep. Yeah. So
1: don't keep your focus too narrow. Listeners, remember to keep your heart open to new influences and new things, because that's what Audrey did, and it seems to be really working for her. Yeah. And her wardrobe.
2: Yeah. Which we're obsessed with. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I got to learn how to dress for tour from her, because she packs really smartly. One bag. (laughs) Right? And all the things. Full of fashion, but also comfortable outfits to wear. So, I'm I'm taking notes cuz we are going on tour a lot th- this year. Yeah. Again, finally. Yeah. So, I'm going to take notes so I can pack a little bit more smartly. <laughs>
1: more feathers, Caitlin. I demand well, more feathers. Well, okay, okay.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Anyway, let's take a little break. Okay, we're back. Now, first of all, I want to say this again. If you liked your time with us today, make sure to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We love reviews, don't we, Caitlin? We love them. In fact, we love them so much, we're gonna read some of our favorite reviews right here at the end of the show. So, Caitlin, do you have a favorite review this week?
2: Yes, I hope I haven't read this one yet. I don't think you have. Okay, this one is five stars, titled, Inspiration in Every Episode, left by Foster's aunt. Hello, Foster's aunt. (laughs) Great interviews with inspirational women, each week, we hear Cracker lead a wonderful interview about new topics with women in new fields. I can't wait to press play on the next episode. Oh my goodness. That's, that's a so nice fantastic. one. I haven't read that one, right? No, okay, good. Yeah, it's a really nice one. Remember Foster's
1: on. Yeah. That's really nice aunt yeah. a nice review. That's
2: a really good one.
1: And five stars are addiction. Yes. Yes. So connect, please yeah. rate and yeah. review. If you don't have anything to say, just give us five stars. Yeah, we appreciate, we'll that, appreciate that too. Yeah. <laughs> but enough of that. Caitlin, it's time for the credits. This podcast was produced <laughs> by Caitlin Gretham, and then I did it. The cast includes me and also Caitlin. And it is distributed by The Amazing Studio 71. So thank you for joining us today. Make sure to tune in next Monday for another exciting episode. And remember, if you ever feel down, all you have to do is look in the mirror and say, she's a woman. And I'll be with you. I feel like we've really gotten into a rhythm with these podcasts, Caitlin.
2: I know, by some
1: miracle. Yeah, and we only have like 40 more to do.
2: Yeah. God, okay, yeah. <laughs>